Chapters One and Two of the Third Volume. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. The Third Volume by Fergus Hume. One, an old friend when spencer tate took his seat at the breakfast-table he cast a look around according to custom to see that all was as orderly as he could wish the neatest and most methodical of men he was positively old-maidish in his love of regularity and tidiness his valet dormer with him for over fifteen years had been trained by such long service into the particular ways of his master and was almost as exacting as tate himself in the matter of domestic details no woman was permitted to penetrate into those chambers in earl street st james but had one been able to do so she could have found no fault with them either on the score of taste or of cleanliness the shell of this hermit crab was eloquent of the idiosyncrasies of its tenant the main characteristic of the breakfast-room was one of severe simplicity the carpet of green drappled brown the curtains to match and the furniture of oak polished and dark on the white cloth of the table an appetizing breakfast was set out in silver and china and a vase of flowers showed that the little gentleman was not unmindful of the requirements of an artistic temperament even the times carefully cut and warmed was neatly folded by the silver-ringed napkin and dormer standing stiff and lean by his master's chair was calmly satisfied that no fault could be found with his work for the past fifteen years save on occasions of foreign travel the same etiquette had been observed the same actions performed for like the laws of the medes and persians the habits of tate were fixed and determined he was a pleasant creature of thirty-four years small in stature clean-shaven and brown-locked his plump little body was clothed in a well-brushed smoking-suit of maroon-coloured cloth his neat feet encased in slippers of red morocco and he scanned the room through a gold-mounted pince-nez neat and firm as he was women did not care for him in the least and he returned the compliment by heartily disliking the female sex yet with men he was a great favourite and the members of his club liked to hear the sententious speeches of this little man delivered with point and deliberation in the smoking-room from eleven till midnight when the clock struck twelve he invariably went to bed and no persuasion or temptation could induce him to break his excellent rule dormer a tall thin man of kent who adored his precise master was equally as misogynistic as tate and silent on all occasions save when spoken to then he replied in dry monosyllables and stood bolt upright during such replies in a military fashion which he had picked up many years before in the army tate humoured his oddities on account of his fidelity knowing that this ugly rough-hewn specimen of humanity was as true as steel and entirely devoted to his interests nowadays it is unusual to meet with such equal appreciation between master and servant i think dormer said tate while the man ministered to his wants that you might call at moody's this morning and get me a copy of the new novel a whim of fate by john parver i heard last night that it contained a description of thorston very good sir replied dormer noting the name in his pocket-book and take a seat for me at the curtain theatre in the fifth row of the stalls not too near the side anything else sir i think not said his master taking a morsel of toast i am going down to richmond by the twelve o'clock train to luncheon with mr freak lay out the serge suit dormer saluted in a military fashion and disappeared leaving tate to skim the paper and finish his breakfast 
methodical as ever the little man first read the leading articles then passed to the city news perused the general information and wound up with a glance at the advertisements in such order he ever proceeded and never by any chance thought of beginning with the advertisements and working back to the leading article habit was everything with spencer tate as usual his day's programme was carefully sketched out and he knew what he was about to do with every moment of his time from noon till midnight but his plans on this special day were upset at the outset for scarcely had he lighted his morning pipe than the door was thrown open and a visitor was announced mr larcher said dormer stiffly and ushered in a tall young man with a bright face and a breezy manner hello little tate cried the newcomer hastily striding across the room here i am again come from wandering up and down the earth sir like a certain person whom i need not mention dear me said tate welcoming his guest with prim kindliness it is claude larcher i am very glad to see you my dear fellow and rather surprised for i assure you i thought you were at the antipodes i have just returned from that quarter of the globe yes landed at the docks yesterday from one of the shaw savile line had a capital passage from new zealand see like a mill-pond from wellington heads to the lizard have you had breakfast larcher asked tate touching the bell a trifle a trifle i could eat another what have you bacon and eggs watercress coffee and the best of bread and butter egad spencer you had the same victuals two years ago when i last called here i am a creature of habit claude replied tate sententiously and when dormer made his appearance gave grave directions for fresh coffee and another dish of eggs and bacon larcher drew in his chair and with his elbows on the table eyed the little man with friendly eyes they were old schoolfellows and fast friends though a greater contrast than that which existed between them can scarcely be imagined tate a prim chilly misogynist larcher a hot-blooded impetuous lover of women the one a stay-at-home and a slave to habit the other a roaming engineer careless and impulsive yet by some vein of sympathy the pair so unlike in looks and temperament were exceedingly friendly and always glad to meet when circumstance threw them together such friendship based on no logical grounds was a standing contradiction to the rule that like draws to like it was scarcely to be expected that a well-favoured mortal like larcher should share his friend's distaste for the female sex far from disliking them he sought them on all possible occasions oftentimes to his own disadvantage and was generally involved in some scrape connected with a petticoat tate who was the older of the two by five years vainly exhorted and warned his friend against such follies but as yet his arguments had come to naught at the age of thirty larcher was still as inflammable and answered all tate's expostulations with a laugh of scorn it was easy to dower this hero with all the perfections physical or mental which lie within the scope of imagination but the truth must be told at whatever cost claude was no greek god no prodigy of learning neither an apollo for looks nor an admirable crichton for knowledge he was simply a well-looking young man clean-limbed clear-skinned healthy athletic and dauntless such as can be found by the dozen in england thews and sinews he had but was no samson or hercules yet his strong frame and easy grace won the heart of many a woman while with his own sex he passed for a true comrade and a friend worth having 
he was an engineer and built bridges and railways in diverse quarters of the globe pioneering civilization as it were in the most barbarous regions for the past ten years he had roamed all over the world and his adventures begotten by a daring and reckless spirit were already sufficient to fill a volume master of at least half a dozen tongues he could find his way from the tropics to the pole and was equally at home on the prairie as in piccadilly indeed he preferred the former for civilization was little to his taste and he was infinitely more at ease in pekin than london north and south america africa china india he knew them all and on this occasion had returned from a prolonged sojourn in the antipodes where he had been building bridges across rapid new zealand rivers well my friend said he addressing himself to a second meal with a hearty appetite i need not ask how you are the same prim finicking little mortal as ever i see five years have made no difference in you spencer you've not married i suppose not i returned tate with stormy disgust you know my views on the subject of matrimony you might go away for one hundred years and would return to find me still a bachelor but you claude oh i'm still in the market i wasn't rich enough for the new zealand bells eh you have five hundred a year independent of your earnings as an engineer what is the use of setting up house on a thousand a year all told retorted claude coolly but the fact is despite my inflammability which you are pleased to reproach i have not yet seen the woman i care to make mrs larcher perhaps it is just as well for the woman answered tate dryly i don't think you are cut out for domestic life i have had no experience of it so i can't say said larcher a shade passing over his face you must not forget that i was left an orphan at five years of age tate if it had not been for old hilliston the lawyer who looked after me and my small fortune i don't know what would have become of me all things considering i think i have turned out fairly decent i have worked hard at my profession i have not spent my substance in riotous living and have seen much more of life than most young men all of which is self-praise and that we know being no recommendation give me another cup of coffee tate laughed and obeyed what are you going to do now he demanded after a pause stay in town or make another dash for the wilds i'll be here for a few months till something turns up said larcher carelessly i did very well out of that maori land business and bought some land there with the proceeds i suppose i'll go and look up mr hilliston see all the theatres worry you and hunt for a wife i shan't assist you in the last retorted tate testily however as you are here you must stay with me for the day what are your immediate plans oh i wish to call at the club and see if there are any letters then i am at your disposal unless you have a prior engagement i have a luncheon at richmond but i'll put that off it is not very important and a wire will arrange matters finish your breakfast while i dress go you effete dandy of an exhausted civilization i saw you looking at my rig out and i dare say it is very bad it has been packed away for the last five years however you can take me to your tailor and i'll get a fresh outfit you won't walk down bond street with me unless i assume a tall hat patent leathers and a frock coat oh by the way would you like to go to the curtain theatre to-night asked tate vouchsafing no reply to this speech they are playing a good piece and i sent for a seat for myself you selfish little man just send for two while you're about it with pleasure 
replied tate who permitted larcher more freedom of speech than he did any other of his friends i won't be more than ten minutes dressing very good i'll smoke a pipe during your absence and see with what further fribbles you have adorned your rooms then we'll go to the club and afterward to the tailor's i don't suppose my letters will detain me long in this larcher was wrong for his letters detained him longer than he expected this opened the way to a new course of life of which at that moment he knew nothing laughing and jesting in his friend's rooms heart-whole and untrammelled he little knew what fortune had in store for him on that fateful morning it is just as well that the future is hidden from men else they would hardly go forward with so light a step to face juries hitherto larcher's life had been all sunshine but now darknesses were rising above the horizon and these letters to which he so lightly alluded were the first warnings of the coming storm two a mysterious communication the athenian club was the most up-to-date thing of its kind in london although it had been established over eight years it was as new as on the day of its creation and not only kept abreast of the times but in many instances went ahead of them the athenians of old time were always crying out for something new and their prototypes of london following in their footsteps formed a body of men who were ever on the lookout for novelty hence the name of this club which adopted for its motto the classic cry give us something new and acted well up to the saying the athenian club was the pioneer of everything it would take a long time to recount the vagaries for which this coterie had been responsible if one more daring spirit than the rest invented a new thing or reinstated an old one his fellows followed like a flock of intelligent sheep and wore the subject threadbare till some more startling theory initiated a new movement the opinion of the club took its colour from the prevailing fad of the hour and indeed many of the aforesaid fads were invented in its smoke-room it should have been called the ephemeral club from the rapidity with which its fanciers rose to popularity and vanished into obscurity after all such incessant novelty is rather fatiguing london is the most exhausting city in the world in which to live from all quarters of the globe news is pouring in every street is crowded with life and movement the latest ideas of civilization here ripen to completion it is impossible to escape from the contagion of novelty it is in the air information salutes one at every turn it pours from the mouths of men it thrusts itself before the eye in the countless daily and weekly newspapers it clicks from every telegraph wire until the brain is wearied with the flood of ephemeral knowledge all this plethora of intellectual life was concentrated in the narrow confines of the athenian clubhouse no wonder its members complained of news what is the prevailing passion with the athenian at present asked larcher as he stepped briskly along piccadilly beside tate the new literature what is that upon my word i can hardly tell you replied tate after some cogitation it is a kind of impressionist school i fancy those who profess to lead it insist upon works having no plot and no action or no dramatic situations their idea of a work is for a man and woman both vaguely denominated he and she to talk to one another through a few hundred pages good lord how they do talk and all about their own feelings their own woes their own troubles their own infernal egotisms the motto of the new literature should be talk 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 for it consists of nothing else 
why not adopt hamlet's recitation suggested larcher laughingly words 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 oh the new literature wants nothing from the past not even a quotation said tate tartly woman the new woman is greatly to the fore in this latest fancy she writes about neurotic members of her own sex and calls men bad names every other page the subjects mostly discussed in the modern novel by the modern woman are the regeneration of the world by woman the failure of the male to bridle his appetites and the beginning of the millennium which will come when women get their own way haven't they got their own way now i should think so i don't know what further freedom they want we live in a world of petticoats nowadays women pervade everything like microbes and they are such worrying creatures pursued tate plaintively they don't take things calmly like men do but talk and rage and go into hysterics every other minute if this sort of thing goes on i shall retire with dormer to an uninhabited island it is easily seen that you are not a friend to the new movement said larcher with a smile but here we are wait in the smoke-room like a good fellow while i see after my correspondence you will find me in the writing-room replied tate i have lost my morning pipe and do not intend to smoke any more till after luncheon i don't believe you're a man tate but a clockwork figure wound up to act in the same manner at the same moment and you are such a horribly vulgar piece of mechanism tate laughed gratified by this tribute to his methodical habits so leaving archer to see after his letters he vanished into the writing-room here he wrote an apologetic telegram to his friend freak and sent it off so that it might reach that gentleman before he started for richmond then he scribbled a few notes on various trifling matters of business which called for immediate attention and having thus disposed of his cares ensconced himself in a comfortable armchair to wait for claude in a few minutes larcher made his appearance with a puzzled expression on his face and two open letters in his hand taking a seat close to that of tate he at once began to explain that the news contained in the letters was the cause of the expression aforesaid my other letters are nothing to speak of said he when seated but these two fairly puzzle me number one is from mr hilliston asking me to call the other is from a margaret bezel with a similar request now i know mr hilliston as guardian lawyer and banker but who is margaret bezel tate shook his wise little head well informed as he was in several matters he had never heard of margaret bezel she lives at hampstead i see continued claude referring to the letter clarence cottage hunt lane that is somewhere in the vicinity of jack straw's castle i wonder who she is and why she wants to see me you have never heard of her asked tate dubiously he was never quite satisfied with larcher's connections with the weaker sex certainly not replied the other with some heat if i had i would assuredly remember so odd a name bezel bezel something to do with a ring isn't it it might have something to do with a wedding ring said tate with a grim smile the lady may have matrimonial designs on you bah she may be a washerwoman for all you know or a wife or a widow or heaven only knows what but that is not the queerest part of the affair for mr hilliston but here read the lady's letter first the gentleman's next and tell me what you think of them upon my word i can make neither top nor tail of the business the first letter 
april eighteenth eighteen ninety two dear sir will you be so kind as to call and see me at clarence cottage hunt lane hampstead as i have an important communication to make to you regarding your parents yours truly margaret bezel the second letter lincoln's inn fields june tenth eighteen ninety two dear claude call and see me here as soon as you arrive in town and should you receive a communication from one margaret bezel bring it with you on no account see the lady before you have an interview with me this matter is more important than you know of and will be duly explained by me when you call yours sincerely francis hilliston tate read these two letters carefully pinched his chin reflectively and looked at claude in a rather anxious manner well sir said the latter impatiently what is your opinion tate's opinion was given in one word and that not of the nicest meaning blackmail blackmail repeated larcher taken aback as well as he might be what do you mean i may be wrong said tate apologetically but this is the only conclusion to which i can come i read the matter this way margaret bezel knows something about your parents and wishes to reveal it to you possibly on condition that you pay her a sum of money hilliston evidently knows that such is her intention and wishes to put you on your guard hence he asks you to see him before you accept the invitation of the lady hm this is feasible enough but what possible communication can this woman be likely to make to me which would involve blackmail my parents both died when i was four years of age she can't have any evil to say of them after twenty-five years you must question hilliston as to that replied tate shrugging his shoulders i think you ought to see him this afternoon he knows you are in town i suppose i wrote from wellington to tell him that i was returning in the kylergarten said claude glancing at the letter he must have been informed by the paper of her arrival yesterday for this note is dated the same day to-day is the eleventh but surely hilliston knew you would call as soon as you arrived he might be certain that i would do so within the week at all events answered larcher reflectively that is what makes his letter the more puzzling the matter must be very urgent when he demands an immediate interview i am certain he wishes to forestall this lady said tate picking up the letter of margaret bezel she at all events knows nothing of your movements for the note is dated the tenth of april when you were in new zealand humph it is very odd tate it is extremely odd and too important to be neglected call on mr hilliston this afternoon and send him a wire now to make an appointment i hope i am not going to have a bad quarter of an hour observed claude as he wrote out the telegram the mystery of the matter ruffled his usual serenity i sincerely trust you are not replied the other touching the bell for the waiter but i must say i do not like the look of those two epistles the telegram was duly dispatched and after a few more conjectures as to the motive of the communications larcher went upstairs to luncheon with his friend halfway through the meal he was struck with an idea margaret bezel must be old tate how do you know if she knows anything of my parents she must have been their friend or servant and as they died twenty-five years ago she can be no chicken true enough but don't go out and meet your troubles half-way claude it will be time enough to worry should hilliston give you bad news by the way i suppose you'll stay with him to-night no doubt he has bought a new house in kensington gore and wishes me to have a look at it 
i shall be glad to see his wife again dear old lady she has been a second mother to me and he like a father and i like a brother interposed tate laughing as a lonely orphan you have to depend upon public charity for your relatives but talking about new houses you must see mine what are you a householder a householder not a landed proprietor said tate with pride i have purchased an old manor-house and a few acres at thorston about eight miles from eastbourne you must come down and see it i have just had it furnished and put in order a week or so there will do you good and give me much pleasure i shall be delighted to come said larcher hastily that is if there is no troublesome business to detain me in london well you will know shortly after all hilliston may give you good news instead of bad bah you don't believe that tate i don't indeed but i am trying to comfort you after the fashion of job's friends retorted claude promptly well you may be right for i do not like the look of things myself however i must take bad fortune along with good hitherto all has gone well with me and i sincerely trust this letter from margaret bezel is not a forerunner of trouble should it be so you will always have at least one friend to stand by you thank you tate replied larcher grasping the outstretched hand should the time come for testing your friendship i shall have no hesitation in putting it to the proof and the time is coming added he tapping the pocket which held the letter of that i am certain what about our theatre to-night demanded tate dubiously it all depends on my interview with hilliston tate said nothing at the moment and shortly afterward they parted larcher to seek his guardian in lincoln's inn fields tate to return to his chambers humph said the latter thoughtfully there will be no theatre for us to-night i don't like the look of things at all the deuce take margaret bezel End of chapters 1 and 2